0: Hello, Empire Builders. You are listening to Business Scale Insights with your host, Kimberly Bonner. And today we are back discussing our series, Love and Money. Business Scale Insights is brought to you by New Day Consulting Systems, a firm that helps small businesses scale well. Hello, Empire Builders. We're back, and I'm recording on the first day of spring in twenty eighteen and Spring is a wonderful time of year. It's also the season of my birthday and spring break, and winter is we're coming out of winter, so I love spring and I love summer. They are my two favorite times of year, and if I could stay in this perpetual spring and summer. I would love it. I would love it. So I'm in a really, really good mood. And that means hopefully you're in for a really good episode of Business Scale Insights today. Again, this is just a recap of what we've gone through. Those of you who have been with this series from the beginning, and you know I'm long-winded, so it takes me longer than always expected to get through any series. uh, Love and Money is all about relationships. And so... You know, this is a refresher for those of you who have been with me from the beginning. And for those of you who just tuning in for the first time, if you listen to this recap, hopefully it will encourage you to go back to the beginning, the first episodes in this series. And you can get really up to stuff and up to speed on everything. So anyway, love and money, if you have to boil everything down is about relationships. And I talk about three areas of relationships specifically. Uh, your relationship with yourself. And I go into a lot of good stuff about beliefs, birthing behavior. I really encourage you if you this is your first time listening to this uh, podcast, go back and listen to that stuff. I don't want to rehash it here, but it's good stuff and it's going to help you. Consider it a personal spring cleaning, if you will. So go back and review that stuff about your relationship with yourself. Now we're pivoting to your relationship with others. And lastly, we're gonna look at your relationship with things. Those are the three relationships to me, and it's just my opinion, there's no scientific research behind this, but in my humble opinion, and I know opinions are like belly buttons, everyone's got one. Uh, Love and money is all about relationships and those relationships are with yourself, others, and things. Uh, for the past week or so, we've been talking about your relationship with others, and last week we focused on EQ. And really, this is an area of leadership and business that's been giving getting a lot of airplay in the past since the since the '90s, I would say. And that's relatively speaking, kind of recent when you're talking about business and leadership scholarship. And I argued, and I still do, and it's gaining traction, thankfully, that if you are interested in a healthy workplace culture, and moreover, if you're just interested in an innovative, healthy workplace period, you should hire for EQ only. Probably... In the 80s and 70s and 60s and before that, to say something like that was revolutionary. Now, more and more people, because of painful experience with really bad EQ employees and leaders, are starting to realize that EQ creates culture in a large degree. And if you have employees and leaders with low EQs, you probably have a toxic culture. And so EQ, in my opinion, is everything when it comes to hire. Does it mean you can't have the skill? Of course you need the skill. And in my opinion, that's where IQ comes in. And so IQ should weed out everyone, right? On the resume, on their references. Uh, You don't bring anybody in for an interview that doesn't pass The basic standardized test doesn't have the grades, doesn't have the certification or the practical experience, whatever you need to have in your given domain, they have to have that baseline and you just pick it, you know, whether it's a B average or a C average or they have to be have a a certain test like the bar exam or some CPA exam, whatever it is, or they need a minimum experience doing a certain kind of marketing or advertising or data science or whatever it is. They have to have that in order to come in for the interview. But once they get past that hurdle and once they come in for the interview, the interview needs to be completely dominated by EQ questions and EQ probes and uh, EQ analysis. And in my humble opinion, that should go for everyone in the organization, whether it's the custodian, the administrative assistant, all the way up to the CEO. Because EQ dominates culture. So check out the uh, podcast from last week and also the Friday focus where I highlight a kind of interview with Dan Goldman, who really pioneered the area of EQ. Lastly, to recap, I'm going to uh, go over the five areas where Daniel Goldman, the American psychologist that helped to popularize emotional intelligence, discussed these five key elements to emotional intelligence. Again, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast and really dig into this stuff. If you're talking about creating a next generation enterprise, nonprofit or for-profit, this must be in the forefront of your thinking. Um, The five key areas are one, self-awareness, two, self-regulation, three, motivation, four, empathy, and lastly, social skills. This has to be part of any recipe or foundation For the 21st century great enterprise, whether it's nonprofit or for profit, Um, don't talk to me about you making a dent in the universe and don't talk to me about how you're going to make the next great American or international franchise system. And you know nothing about EQ because EQ truly is the foundation for a great culture. now we pivot to <clears throat> one of the most controversial i think groundbreaking pioneering concepts that is coming out of business and business leaders and that is the subject of lq or the love quotient kind of sounds like the love boat <laughs> LQ what is that what are you crazy Kim what are you talking about LQ well and don't get me wrong i'm not perfect when it comes to love i've screwed up love honey i'm i'm single in my 40s so <laughs> so i'm not even going to pretend to say that i have perfected this whole love intelligence and um, love walk by any stretch of the imagination. However, I am completely sold on the value of the concept of a love intelligence. Now, what do I mean by love intelligence? Lawyer by training, debate geek going back to the sixth grade. So what do I mean by love intelligence? Well, it's a phrase, or LQ is a phrase that was coined by Jack Ma for years. He talks about IQ, EQ, and LQ. And this um, love intelligence is about um, the capacity to really care for others and be other-oriented, not necessarily completely self-absorbed. And if you're going to be respected, this is the quote that Jack Ma is quoted for uh, after his speech at the World Economic Forum in Davos, that if you want to be respected as a leader, you desperately need LQ. And he talked about LQ as it relates to gender in the workplace and women having more of a balance between IQ, L, EQ and LQ. So. As a general matter, uh, I would attribute Jack Ma with coining the phrase LQ and coming up with this general definition that an LQ is all about really your capacity to be other oriented um, uh, and to care for others as much as or more than you care for yourself. love, 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 love. Unfortunately, when you say that term, uh, so many people directly move into the romantic space and we've got to clarify, even though I've defined what an LQ is, I need to define what I'm talking about. When I, when I talk about love, love to me And this is the debate geek, and this is the quasi-philosopher, lawyer-turned-entrepreneur. Love, to me, is not an emotion. Let me repeat. Love, to me, is not about an emotion. It's a mindset. It's a commitment to an ethic. It is a moral issue. It is a character. But it is it is. Far more than an emotion. So when I talk to a client or a business entity or a group of individuals about LQ, I am moving beyond the dimension of what even Jack Ma and many others in corporate America and at business schools are talking about. Most people talk about LQ as almost a subset of EQ. And I respect them, and this is the debater in me and the lawyer in me, I respect them, but I respectfully disagree, because I think it has far less to do with a feeling and far more to do with a set of morals, and ethical behavior and a mindset. And in this regard, I disagree with my um, well-esteemed, brilliant CEO Jack Ma. I do not think that either gender has an advantage when it comes to, and I would call this the love ethic. I'm moving. I'm. I'm moving beyond. LQ I'm moving into a love ethic. And if you thought LQ was controversial, oh, hold your beer boo. Hold your beer. You're going to hate the love ethic. Because this this concept, boo boo kitty, <laughs> this concept right here <laughs> will turn the world up side down. Now, am I the original author of the love ethic? Absolutely not. This is clearly a Judeo-Christian theme. I come from a Christian background. I definitely consider myself a Christian, certainly not an atheist. Love all my atheist and agnostic brothers and sisters, but I'm definitely not in that camp. Once was, but not now. Um, so i in in, in 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 to be totally transparent, this definitely is familiar territory, because if you're a Christian and you're at all familiar with the teachings of Jesus Christ, hello, he is like the love master. However, it's not limited to Christianity. Uh, I've done a lot of reading. There is a love ethic in Buddhism. Uh, some people talk about compassion in Islam. Uh, There are a lot of secular humanists that want to talk about uh, a a framework for compassion in that domain as well. So um, I don't want to pretend and sit here like, oh, I woke up today. (laughs) Like to paraphrase Beyonce, I woke up like this with this idea of a love ethic. It is not new and it has a, a it has multiple millennia uh as as far as traction with humanity, however, comma, I think it is brand spanking new in its application to what we would call 20th century business or 20 and certainly 21st century business, and 20th and 21st century leadership. When the love ethic is unleashed, it has the power to turn the world upside down. Most recently in the United States, the love ethic, beyond the LQ, the love ethic, um, which is more of, again, uh, an issue of integrity about systems and laws, and society, and business—it's a character issue. It's a moral issue. The love ethic was unleashed in the civil rights Mo- movement of the 1960s, and what took, you know, hundreds of years to establish uh, when it came to um, the, the the laws uh, against the enfranchisement of people of African descent in America. It really took a few years to dismantle with the civil rights movement because of the love ethic. Martin Luther King Jr. elevated the call to love uh, from a kind of private issue, right? Or kind of a private family, community, church issue to a public call to action. He declared, and I'm actually paraphrasing um, the words of uh, author, historian, and feminist, Bell Hooks, um, quoting from a, toward a worldwide culture of love. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. proclaimed love to be the only effective way to end injustice and bring peace, declaring that, Sooner or later, all the people of the world will have to discover a way to live together in peace. If this is to be achieved, man must evolve for all human conflict, a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. So the love ethic was used during the civil rights movement in the political sphere um, to deal with that turbulent era's social injustices. But it was political; it was it was totally defined to kind of the realm of social justice and social action but we really haven't seen the full application of the love ethic when it comes to capitalism and when it comes to business. And this is an area of immense curiosity and fascination for me personally for a lot of different reasons, which I'll detail in the next segment. So I've established what I think the love ethic or LQ is and I've established that we've seen the love ethic historically in the United States but I really want to pivot and talk about um, the love ethic and your relationship with others and the impact on the generation of wealth and profit and all that good stuff Uh, to kind of Put this in context and and land the plane. In previous episodes, I talked about IQ is all about skill. You don't bring the person in on the interview unless they have the skill. And then talked about EQ, and you certainly don't hire someone unless they have the proper EQ, because that actually impacts your culture. Well, I would argue that In order for your organization um, to really move to another dimension and be respected and seriously um, develop connections with people over the long term, internally and externally, the leaders of the organization must have the love ethic. So I think, in my opinion, if I was going to create a framework um, LQ or LE, I'm going to call it LE, the love ethic, because I don't think it's about intelligence and I do not think it's about emotion. I think it's about character. I think the love ethic is for the leaders of organizations and departments. Because fundamentally, when you're talking about being over something or someone, you're talking about standing guard and, and looking out for the best interest of the organization and the people in the organization and the clients in the organization. It can't be just about you and your personal ambition and your personal bank account and your personal wealth generation and your family and whether or not your kids go to the right college and, you know, um, your daughter and son's wedding and your ability to get 70 different types of homes on every, you know, in every continent or every country in the world leadership has to be other oriented the best leaders are mission driven value driven they're committed to the success of the whole not just themselves and so in my humble opinion the love ethic i'm not even i'm not even going to call it lq i'm talking about the le in my humble opinion, if you're going to create generational wealth, wealth and businesses that are legacy businesses that last beyond you and your four and no more, the leadership team of the organization, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, has to be driven by something better, greater than their own greed, than their own ego, and their own selfish ambition. There has to be something, a a cause or alicodio. There has to be a greater cause that your business or organization is about in order for your business or organization to stand the test of time and create the kind of impact that is, like I said, generational, that is beyond a 40 to 50 year window, but lasts for centuries, centuries. In my humble opinion, we have yet to see businesses in the United States that are beyond one to two generations and stand the test of centuries, making an impact in other people's lives for the better. I believe in the 21st century because the millennial generation and generation Z and all the other generations coming after them will have so much access to so much data and so much information about how businesses do what they do that in the 21st century, the next great business that makes a dent in the universe, right, is going to be a business that gets L.E. They get L.E. Now, I want to pause here and deal with an objection because I know what you're thinking because I think like a lot of you and I'm a cynic and I question everything. And, And many of you would argue, well, Kim, I get IQ and I get EQ. I don't see the relevance of LQ or L.E. For the development of profit and long-term sustainability of any enterprise. And I'm just going to hold it right here and tell you why I think this is this is a big deal and critical for next-generation enterprises, particularly gen- enterprises that are going to be machine-driven to Jack Ma's point or automation-driven. You can have a high EQ and have a low LQ, and destroy your organization. I'm gonna give a a real prime, easy example of this. Politicians, God love politicians. Most politicians have incredibly high EQs. Donald Trump may not have enormous self-awareness, but he has an incredible amount of social awareness. He tapped into tremendous fear um, in the blue-collar sector of America that transcended, you know, rural areas. He tapped into raw emotions that were popular, that no one could tap into. I would argue that Donald Trump's social acumen as it relates to tapping into the social-emotional state is off the chart. Hillary Clinton's EQ as it relates to social acumen is non-existent. Her IQ is off the charts as a graduate of the Yale University School of Law. But her EQ is non-existent. Many, 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 many politicians have high EQs and low LQs, you'd be hard-pressed to say that Donald Trump has a high uh, uh, intelligence for love or compassion based upon the words and his actions. I have worked in many settings with teachers, grew up with teachers. Many teachers have high IQs. Many teachers have high EQs. Very few teachers have high LQs very few teachers have high l e s if you are involved in education in any for any length of time you will notice that a lot of teachers are highly political beings many education organizations are bureaucracies whether it's on the K through 12 level or universities many educational um, environments are incredibly cutthroat It's not so much that people are competing for finances, but they're competing for power and status. And many times um, that power and status is for selfish ends, not for not necessarily the good of individual teachers on the ground or individual students on the ground. And in order to climb those organizations those large bureaucracies, you have to have an incredibly high EQ. But remember, the ultimate goal is not necessarily for the good of those kids. It's not necessarily for the good of those teachers or university prof- other university professors or college students, but it's for selfish ambition, power, and a title. In the realm of business, There are many CEOs that have incredibly high EQs, incredibly high EQs. And I hate to say this, but they could give a damn about their staff. (laughs) I know that sounds weird, but as far as pay is concerned and health benefits is concerned, but they know how to marshal emotions and they know how to tap uh, into people's emotions and the emotions in the marketplace. They have an incredible high, e, incredibly high EQ, but their love ethic is non-existent. So, in my humble opinion, this is a different dimension we're talking about. This is about a character. This is about an ethic. And you can have great organizations when it comes to EQ. But they're not necessarily ethically grounded in an, a domain of integrity for the good of others, not only within the organization, but the greater good of humanity in our world. So as I conclude today's podcast episode, I just wanted to say this for those of you who are skeptics like I am naturally, (laughs) just think about what I have to say and think about what I've just said and think about the various environments um, that you've worked in, Uh, observe politics, observe our national discourse and really think about the difference between IQ, EQ, LQ, or the love ethic. In my humble opinion, in the 21st century, we're talking about businesses that want to make a dent in the universe and they wanna change the world for the better. You can have a high EQ and not necessarily do that. You cannot have a high EQ or LQ or love ethic and as a product, not do that. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you have a high IQ, a high EQ, and a high LQ or a high LE love ethic, making a business or creating a product or service that makes the world a better place, there's a great likelihood that that will naturally be the result. There isn't necessarily a direct correlation, in my humble opinion, for having a high IQ and having a high EQ and necessarily creating a product or service that makes the world a better place. And I'll give you a prime example of what I'm talking about is Facebook right now. Facebook is in the throes of an immense moral dilemma, right? Facebook is in the in, in, is in the midst of an internal and external debate that, at its core, is ethical. It is not emotional. Is it moral to get human beings addicted to the platform? Is it moral to sell our personal data for private gain? Is it moral to have our privacy invaded um, on a regular basis and shared? Is it moral to have our data shared in such a way to third parties that could be hostile uh, countries that might influence a national election and the very heart of democracy? This has nothing to do with IQ. This has nothing to do with EQ but it has everything to do with LQ or the love ethic. I'm landing the plane right now. If I was in a courtroom, I'm I'm resting my case right now. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, consider this a warning. Anyone that's affiliated, if you have stock, If Facebook dies as a company and does not make it beyond 10 or a 20 year span, if Facebook doesn't grow beyond its generation, let's say 40 years, it will not be because Mark Zuckerberg is not a genius. It will not be because Mark Zuckerberg does not know how to tap into the emotional makeup of human beings. It will be solely and squarely because he was a functional, um, illiterate, for lack of a better word, when it comes to love and the love ethic. Call me in 10 years. If Facebook stocks is worthless and if Mark Zuckerberg becomes, um, the butt of jokes in corporate America. It will not be because he didn't have a good product. It will not be because he didn't have a great team. It will, be, will, it will be squarely because he himself as a leader was clueless about a love ethic and did not make certain moral decisions or made horrible moral decisions when it come, came to what his platform was about. And how they would make money. Call me in 10 years love. (laughs) If I'm still around and you're still around and we're still breathing, call me, text me, send me an email, whatever the case is. And if it's still a powerhouse company, it's because Mark Zuckerberg, the leader, pivoted and started to comprehend and appreciate that. The growth of his company wasn't about emotions or products or services. It was about the ethical choices or the failure to make certain ethical choices to lead his company in the right direction that would be an improvement and and enhance humanity and the world and the environment as we know it. That's about L.E. And L.E. is reserved for leaders. If you think that this podcast makes sense <laughs> and if you think that I'm onto to something, uh, I encourage you to call in or even if you disagree with me, I love it. I love a good argument. <laughs> and I'm a skeptic half the time. So call me, email me, Biscalepro at gmail.com, call into the station, let's hook up on Twitter, uh, bizscalepro, Pro, BizScale Podcast. I want to hear from you. And I love, 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 love hearing from opposing um, ideas and concepts and 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 just understandings. I, I I love it because I appreciate it, and I get it makes me a better thinker, and it makes me a better person. So challenge me. I love it. I love the challenge. All right. And between the two of us, or between our group, or between amongst our tribe. We're going to come up with a better framework for building and leading companies and organizations in the 21st century. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the first day of spring. Love you.